Well, our scriptures today, I chose one from both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And first from the Old Testament, 1 Kings 6, and then we'll go to the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 6. And it is about the Jewish temple and about the specificity of, of the temple of God's temple in Jerusalem. So this is God's word. In the 480th year after the Israelites came out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, he began to build the house of the Lord. The house that King Solomon built for the Lord was 60 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. The vestibule in front of the nave of the house was 20 cubits wide across the width of the house. Its depth was 10 cubits in front of the house. For the house he made, uh, for the house he made windows with recessed frames. He also built a structure against the wall of the house, running around the walls of the house, both the nave and the inner sanctuary. And he made side chambers all around. The lowest story was five cubits wide. The middle one was six cubits wide, and the third seven cubits wide. For around the outside of the house, he made offsets on the wall in order that the supporting beams should not be inserted into the walls of the house. The house was built with stone finished at the quarry so that neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron was heard in the temple while it was being built. The entrance for the middle story was on the south side of the house. One went up by winding stairs to the middle story and from the middle story to the third so he built the house and finished it. He roofed the house with beams and planks of cedar. He built the structure against the whole house, each story five cubits high, and it was joined to the house with timbers of cedar. Now the word of the Lord came to Solomon concerning this house that you are building. If you will walk in my statutes, obey my ordinances, and keep all my commandments by walking in them, then I will establish my promise with you which I made to your father David. I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will not forsake my people Israel. So Solomon built the house and finished it. And then moving on to the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 6 as well, just verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, may you bless our time this morning as we dive into Scripture and we talk about your temple. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts bring honor to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, again, thanks for being here. You may be coming down off the joy and busyness of uh, Christmas. Perhaps you crashed a little bit this week. I know I did. Took a couple of days to kind of uh, regroup, and it can be a busy time of the year. And now we're at New Year's Eve, and Liz even mentioned in our prayer, this is a day or a time when some people make New Year's resolutions, or even if you don't, it is common to think about, you know, what's coming as tomorrow is New Year's Day, January 1st. And so uh, the USA Today did a poll, and they said the most popular New Year's resolution for both 2018 and looking back on 2017 was being a better person. So very generic there, being a better person, all right? Here's some of the others that garnered uh, some, some votes. Exercising more, eating healthier, getting a better job, uh, improve overall health, stop smoking, and spend less and save money. 
And so those were about the top 10 there of resolutions for 2018. Maybe people are working ahead. They made those already. Now, I know I don't really like to make resolutions very much, and I think Liz kind of alluded to this if you listen carefully to her prayer, because I don't always meet them, and then I feel like I failed. But I know one thing I'm thinking about in 2018 as I look ahead is taking better care of my body. So I had my annual physical, or for me, maybe my every three or four year physical, because I'm not so good about that, but I did have my annual physical this fall. And two things my doctor told me, he said, Scott, you need to exercise more and uh, less sugar intake. I said, okay, that's not too bad. So my numbers were pretty good. I was pretty healthy. He gave me pretty good scores. And so I, I was thinking about that. I do like to take walks and exercise some, but I need to exercise uh, more. And so I was thinking about, you know, it's basketball season, and Luke and Graham, my two younger boys, are playing basketball. They've had lots of games. I'm going to their games. Occasionally, I'm keeping the scoreboard. And I thought, as I watched them, you know, could that be counted as exercise? Because, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe. And then Lexia, my daughter, and Jacob, uh, my older son, both play tennis. I mean, when I go to their matches in the spring, I can do winter, you know, watching basketball, spring, watching tennis. Does that count? No. Okay. No. I heard some yeses. That's very nice, but or probably not. So I need to get out and exercise more. And I know that I like sugar. So when he said you need to take in less sugar, and one thing where I really like my sugar is Coca-Cola. And Stevie, do you have a picture? Yes. Especially the fizzy Coke with the bubbles. I love it. You know, I'll now take a two liter or a can or a glass, uh, a, a bottle, but I really like the Coke. Uh, I really do. And so, um, and did you know you can get Coke, a large Coke, for a dollar at McDonald's? I don't know if you knew that. So sometimes around 3 or 4 p.m., you might see me at the McDonald's there um, in Zionsville, the one down on 96th Street, uh, getting a Coca-Cola. And actually, with tax, it's at only a dollar and nine cents. So, you know, usually I can scrape up even the change for that. But I know that something in my new year, I need to drink less Coke and exercise more. I need to work on my body, getting it in better shape. Now, the reason part of we're, we're talking about that is because in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, uh, uh, your bodies, my body, is God's temple. Now, Paul was talking to the people in Corinth, which is in ancient Greece when he was writing this. Now, the ancient Greeks looked down on the body. They said it was the soul that mattered and not the body. And sometimes I think we may feel that way um, in our relationships too. It's my soul that matters. I don't have to worry about my body so much. But Paul really talks about, and Scripture really talks about, that our bodies and souls are together. You know, if you think about it, God gave us this house, this body, you know, our arms, our legs, our eyes, our feet, everything to house us, our brains and our hearts and our souls. And really, it's all one don't think we can neglect the body, and Paul really says that, and, and God says that we shouldn't neglect the body. Jesus said to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and your strength. And think about that. You know, it's, it's your mind part of your body, but it's also your strength. It's what you do physically. It's your actions. It's your behaviors. It's your choices. So we're going to look at the body being a temple, but I wanted to look at the connection of the temple because I think Paul chose that word very carefully when he wrote that because of, of the care and great love for the temple uh, that Jews would have even at that time. And so if we go back a little bit, we understand, and even today, that God is a personal God, that God's a relational God. God wants to relate to his people. And so if you think about 
after his people came out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness, um, they had a tabernacle that God told them how to build a tabernacle and how to put that up as they traveled in the wilderness. And then as they settled and got, and, and got settled in, in the Jerusalem area and in Israel, and they began having kings, he talked about uh, and told them as he, as he conversed uh, with David and then Solomon about building a temple because God needed a house to dwell in. He wanted to dwell with his temple. Now, there's a lot of history behind uh, the place where the temple was and where the Temple Mount is today. In fact, it goes all the way back to Genesis 22, Genesis 22 uh, when Abraham took Isaac up to the top of Mount Moriah. And here's an artist rendering of that. You can see an angel on uh, Abraham's side, and he was going to sacrifice Isaac as God told him to do, but then God provided a ram so that he wouldn't have to be sacrificed. Now, what you forget maybe in that story sometimes, it was on Mount Moriah. And Mount Moriah becomes the place in the center of Jerusalem where the temple is built. And this goes all the way back to Genesis 22. If we fast forward a long time, when David was king, there was a terrible plague going on in Israel and going through Jerusalem, and it was spreading and spreading. And David was praying to God to stop the plague, and he did. And he stopped the plague at the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. This is in 2 Samuel 24, and this is around 1000 BC. And so uh, David went and purchased that land from this man and said, this is the place where the temple will be. It was at the place of Mount Moriah. So that's uh, part of David's story. And then Solomon, David's son, was called to build the first temple, and he began building around 966 B.C., so around 3,000 years ago. So Solomon built that first temple. And then the second temple was finished around 516 B.C., um, after the people had been sent into exile in Babylon, and then they had come out of exile, and the, uh, and the second temple was built. And I forgot to tell you, I love this stuff. So I wrote down some notes in your bulletin. If you wanted to look along, you don't have to. But it's about the temple, not only that you are the temple, but a little bit of the history of the temple as well. And so those won't be all on the screen, but there are some notes here as well, because as I said, I, I love talking about this stuff. So King Herod then, at the time of Christ, so you fast forward again another 500 years, felt that the people needed a more glorious uh, temple. And so here's a model, uh, probably a pretty close rendering of what, uh, of what the temple would look like at Jesus' time. So King Herod was the king, the Jewish king, at Jesus' time. And uh, you're probably, I think, looking westward as you look at this picture. You're looking to the west. And that's King Herod's uh, temple that he would He wanted a more glorious temple, a more grand temple. And so he also built this part called the Temple Mount. So the big walls that you see all around the temple, those are the Temple Mount, because uh, Jerusalem, and you can kind of see that in the foreground, and this is, although this is a model, I think it's very accurate. Jerusalem is very hilly and rocky, and there's really no flat spots. And so he made this huge area, and that's, that's really the size of about 30 football fields is that Temple Mount. It's a very large area with the temple there in the center and the different courtyards. So he wanted a more grand temple for the Jewish people to have. And so that was at the time of Christ. This was what the temple that would look like that Jesus and his family would go visit. Now, if you fast forward not too much farther, less than 100 years, this temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. And so there was just a temple mount left, and we have a picture of that. And so this is what it looks like looking from the south to the north 
in the old city of Jerusalem even today. And so if you see, though, the wall down in front, and you can kind of see it running along the right-hand side, if you're looking over there, you can see the wall running on the right side. That's still the Temple Mount. Most of the Temple Mount that King Herod built at the time of Christ is still there. But you notice there's no temple there. It was destroyed because uh, it was destroyed by the Romans. And then if you fast forward again, 600 years or more, uh, the Muslims came in and took over a lot of that land there in Israel, and they built what's called the Dome of the Rock. And you're like, wonder, what is the rock? The rock was a place where uh, Muslims felt that the prophet Muhammad had ascended to heaven. And so they built the Dome of the Rock there, and they built the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is kind of the gray part in the dome down in front. And then the Jews, though, even today, Jewish people still want to worship there because this is incredibly holy place, and so they have the Western Wall. And so you can see the Dome of the Rock up on top, and this is kind of down below at a different level. But the big wall there in front is the Western Wall. And so Jewish people even today come from all over the world, and Christians as well, to pray at the Western Wall. It used to be called the Wailing Wall, but it's on the west side of the Temple Mount. And then less than a half mile away is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. So for Christians, you might say this is the most holy place for Christians. The Church of the Holy Sepulchre sits on top of what scholars believe would be the place where Jesus' tomb was and where Jesus rose from the dead and even where the place of the cross. So just as if you were looking at this picture to the west, maybe a half mile, a five-minute walk. And yet, as important as the temple is, and we can be respectful of all these areas in the history, it's so important, I think what we want to remember is that God wanted to dwell among his people, and God wanted to be with his people. But Paul says, and then as later, as the temple was torn down, that we need to have a place for God to dwell. And so, God today dwells in us. And so what we read in the, uh, in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 6, again in verses 19 and 20, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? And think about that. Our bodies now, who we are, our very being, our minds, our souls, our bodies are where God dwells. How can this be? Jesus said when he was leaving his disciples and when he was leaving all the people there and when he ascended to heaven, he said he would send the Holy Spirit to be with us. And then you didn't have to wait very long, just a matter of weeks. And you read in the book of Acts that God sent his Holy Spirit and it came on the disciples. And then they prayed and 3,000 people came uh, to Christ that day. And, and probably even when Peter gave the speech on the day of Pentecost was probably from the steps of the temple because that was such a huge area where thousands of people could gather. And so people receive the Holy Spirit. And even today, when you ask Jesus into your life, when I asked Jesus into my life, when I did that, I received the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can give us guidance when you need help making a decision, can give you comfort in times of need, can give you that little nudge in your guts. You can ask God to answer your prayers. And when you sense God is answering your prayer in a certain way, oftentimes that's the Holy Spirit living in you, giving you insight and maybe in, in what way to go and a step to take in your life. So God lives within us in the Holy Spirit. So what do we do with that? When we're thinking about what do we do with the fact that our bodies are a temple, that God lives in us. And so I think there's at least four ways we can think about that. And so if you do like resolutions or thinking about 2018 and, you know, what are some ways I might live out that 
that my body is a temple for God. Here's some ideas. Physical, spiritual, social, and then in your season of life. Physically, your body is a temple. In 1 Corinthians 6, if we read the whole passage, talks a lot about being pure, even in terms of sexual purity. It's not just our body in a figurative sense. Paul talks about that our bodies, this is a literal sense. He's not just using a metaphor. He's saying that we need to, to put good things into our bodies so that good things come out. He says in verse 12 in this passage, I have the right to do everything, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to drink as much Coke as I want, but it's not beneficial if I drink too much, right? I need to be in moderation or not at all. He says, you were bought at a price. Honor God with your bodies. Our bodies are God's temple, and so we are to honor God uh, with that. We're not only to watch what we put in our mouths, but in our minds. You might think about what kind of music, movies, websites, books are you reading, things are you reading? Do we honor God with the things that we put in our minds and our bodies? So our mouths, our minds, everywhere else. Everywhere else. How do we live out our behaviors, our actions, um, our physical being? How do we do those things um, to bring honor to God? That's first. Second, spiritually. I think the start of the year is a good time to take inventory spiritually. Where are you? Do you feel close to God? If you feel at a three, you know, what can you do to get higher than that? If you feel at a seven, how can you get to, to a nine or a ten to feel close to God, to grow closer to God's spiritually? And certainly there's all kinds of things uh, you can do. Certainly we talk about it here at ZPC, we love it when you are in worship because we get to worship together, we get to sing together, we get to pray together. And we get to study God's Word together. I also want to encourage you to do all those things, you know, on your own, Monday through Saturday, to find ways to pray and to sing and to read and to grow. There was a study, a fascinating study, uh, around 10 years ago that studied, uh, it was from hundreds of churches and, and literally tens of thousands of Christians and, they, and part of the study was, how do you grow closer to Christ? And by far and away, people's response, the number one response is how they grow closer to Christ was reflection on Scripture, personal reflection on Scripture. And so we encourage you in 2018, and I know Liz mentioned this in her prayer. I heard it, and I didn't, I didn't set her up on this. But we want you to uh, encourage you to reflect on Scripture. What's that mean? It means when you hear it on Sunday morning, reflect on it, chew on it, think about how does this apply to my life, that, that my body is a temple. Um, join a home group, join a Sunday school class, get out your Bible during the week. And if you don't know, it's too, it's too confusing, it's too hard because there are 66 different books in the Bible and where do I start, what do I do? Buy a devotional, buy a study Bible, find a way to reflect on Scripture both, person, both personally and with others. And then so physically, spiritually, we honor God with our bodies. How do we honor God even socially? Socially. Well, who do you spend your time with? Are you spending enough time with the people that God is calling you to spend time with? So I know I get to be up front here sometimes, and I, I really, I do really enjoy that. I would say I enjoy it more and more over the years. Um, and I love spending time with you in the gathering space. But I will tell you, I can be very much a homebody. I've been working on jigsaw puzzles over Christmas break because I like that. It's kind of quiet. I can just kind of relax. I can be very much a homebody. And there are times, there are days when I have to push myself to get out and to be with people. 
And yet God called us to be social people, to commune with others, to be with others. And so it may be like, you may be like me where you're more of a homebody, where you need to get out and be with people. And so what I often find is, um, and this is maybe a, an, a, a great uh, part of being a pastor, is I will actually have people call me or ask me, can we get together? Can I meet with you? I get called occasionally to uh, officiate a funeral or a wedding, and I would say I always appreciate that because then I get to meet new people and get to be with new people and in some ways get to serve them or, or meet them, be with them. And I always look at those as opportunities that maybe God's putting in front of me to get out and to be with people in a way that, that I can maybe represent God in some way with them. So I want to encourage you to do the same. When you get that phone call or when you get that opportunity for someone to spend time with you, you're, you may already be um, connected in lots of ways and be very social. And so maybe for you, it's, uh, it's ways you say, maybe I need to cut back a little bit here or there in some ways. But for others of you, it's look for that person or those people in your lives in 2018 that may be reaching out to you, and you can be God's ambassador, God's instrument to them, even socially. Fourth, serving. God says to love your neighbor. He says to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love your neighbor as, our, as yourself. And Jerry talks about this a lot, our senior pastor we can love our neighbors, our literal neighbors that are around us. It's another way we can love uh, with our bodies being God's temple and by serving. And so look for ways in 2018, right around you, simple ways. You don't have to go to Mexico or Spain or somewhere else, although that's wonderful if you do. It's great because I love going on mission trips. But look for ways that you can serve. God's calling each of us to serve and, and look for ways that he may be presenting to you uh, to be God's hands and feet. And I will take a moment to say thank you for all the service and generosity you've provided to ZPC, I'd say in 2017, uh, through ministries like Community Assistance Ministry, where people helped 27 families over Christmas break, almost 200 shepherd totes, which were amazing. Uh, your service at Straight Up Ministry, Habitat for Humanity, Wheel of Mission, Jeremiah House, Food Pantry, and many others. You are already finding so many places to serve and use your body as God's temple. So we, we always want to thank you for that. And then finally, in a season, in your season of life, in ages and stages of life. So why do we say this? Because I'm a big believer that I think in our seasons of life that God kind of calls us to different things in different ways we can serve. And so I think for our children, and some of you have your, your kids in here today, for kids, sometimes they're restricted. They're restricted that they don't have their driver's license yet. They're restricted by what their parents allow them to do, and yet they can be great examples in our schools, in our homes. Uh, they can be great examples for us uh, by their energy and their excitement for God where they are in their season of life. And so let our children, our covenant children, be examples for us where they are. What about those kind of in midlife, kind of like people kind of in my younger, older than me. You know, you may be working long hours, you're trying to pay bills, you're thinking maybe about uh, sending kids to college, and you feel like your time is all eaten up. It's a good time then also in life to, to think about, okay, how can I first, though, put my time so that I honor God with my time? What is one way in 2018 I might look at using my body as God's temple and my time to honor Him? And then what about our senior saints? 
You may have more time, but maybe not as much energy. Uh, my dad turned 80 just recently, and he said to me, he said, you know, Scott, sometimes the golden years aren't so golden. Because uh, now he's a very joyful guy that sees the glass half full, but he's had kind of a series of health issues and surgeries, and yet he's now on past a lot of those, and he's using his time to get out and to get back in shape and to connect with others. So I'm really proud of my dad and my mom, and so many of you, I think, if you look around this room and if you look around ZPC next Sunday, you'll see so many of our senior saints who are living out their faith in really tangible ways. And so whatever age or stage of life you're in, use your time and your talents and treasures uh, to be for God. Well, this Christmas time, this Advent season, we've been talking about Emmanuel. And I think one of my favorite things over the last month, because of the four Sundays and the four weeks of Advent, even though the Advent season was a little shorter this time, was the daily blogs or daily devotionals that, that were sent out to you. How many of you, raise your hand if you were receiving those. So there's a lot of you here. And I think overall there were about 450 people that signed up to receive a daily text from ZPC at 7 a.m. And if you clicked on the text then you could read a short blog, and it had a scripture for the day and a prayer for the day. And mine, Sally Bias put this together, so kudos to Sally. She recruited all the people who wrote those blogs, and she put those together, made sure they got sent out at 7 a.m., and she did a great job with that. So she assigned me to write one like five or six weeks ago, and I did, and then she said, yours is coming out on Christmas Eve. So then I started feeling pressure. I'm like, I don't really want one on Christmas Eve. I want to kind of blend in with everybody else. And then I start reading all the ones that you guys wrote. They were so good. They were so well-written, and, and they were so personal. And I was touched almost every single morning by reading these blogs. And what was cool about it, here's what was really cool, is that they were different because you guys are different. You guys, we all look different. We all have different bodies. We all, we all think differently. We're unique. God gives us different abilities, different minds, different ways to look at things. And I tell you, I was touched and encouraged by reading those because in every one, I still saw Emmanuel. I saw God with us. I saw that God work, is working through you and through your minds, through your thoughts. And I was encouraged by that. And I, I thought mine did okay on Christmas Eve, but I was nervous about it because I, I didn't want the big, the big role on Christmas Eve. But I was so encouraged by, by your devotionals and by reading all those that they created, I think, a beautiful mosaic of all of us being God's temple, that God is Emmanuel, God with us, even living in us, because we are the temple. And again, I know that can be humbling, but God lives in you and with you, and he has called you to be his followers. So here's some final thoughts about the temple, the church, and you. The Jewish temple does not stand in anymore, yet where it was is holy ground, really, for three of the world's great religions, including Christianity that's all around Jerusalem. ZPC is not a temple, yet it's a great building that God has provided for us through the investments of people like you to build this beautiful building and this wonderful sanctuary, which is a place that is set apart to worship God. And so we need to respect that and feel good and feel excited about coming into this room. And yet, with knowing that, um, you are still the temple. And so I've asked Stevie to show a few pictures of ZPCers. These are pictures of some of you this past year 
where you are being the temple, where you are serving God um, and by providing food for people or VBS or different kinds of things, in your uniqueness, God working in you and through you, that God is Emmanuel, God with us, and has worked in us in so many ways through this past year of 2017. So again, thank you, and I want to encourage you to be God's people, to be the temple that God has called you to be. You are the temple. God lives in you, so live for God. Let us pray. Lord, lead us and guide us to know you, to know again, and remember this Sunday after Christmas, that you came down for us as a baby, that we might live for you. Help us to know that you put up a tent, as you said in John 1, as Pastor Jerry said last Sunday on Christmas Eve, that you put up your tent to dwell with us. And then through the Holy Spirit, not only you dwell with us, you live in us and through us. Help us to listen carefully to your Holy Spirit that we might be your people in all kinds of ways, not only today and this week, but in the new year. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.